0: This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host,
1: Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 122 of Aviation Careers Podcast. Our episode today, we're going to talk about why pilot salaries don't directly correlate with a pilot shortage. And also, we're going to answer your questions. Uh, but before we get started, a quick reminder about our coaching services. And remember, you can go out to com slash coaching and uh, find our services there. We do everything from interview preparation, career counseling. We'll do re- resume review. will also make sure that you're ready for your next step in your career. And maybe it's trying to decide whether you want to do this as a career. But uh, you can sign up for an hour of coaching your first hour for $75. And it usually encompasses a little more than that because the first half hour or so we're getting to know you. So aviationcareerspodcast.com slash coaching to take a look at what we have available to help you move forward in your career. Well, I am joined today with Tom Wachowski. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Carl. Thanks for having me back. Hey, it's been it's been a little bit of a while, but you've been on a little more regularly uh, because uh, you are starting to get a little bit more of a schedule that's that's normal. I guess is a good way to say it. You've been really yes. busy lately.
2: Yeah, the fall was a whirlwind, uh, but uh, uh, the normal as normal as it can be in aviation has uh, begun to set back in. So yeah, it's good to be back.
1: Cool, cool. Well, i tell you what, Tom, we have a lot to talk about this evening. So, and lots of questions. Uh, as a reminder, if you have questions, go to aviationcursepodcast.com pod ta- and click on the contact or feedback at aviationcursepodcast in your email. And we'll get that uh, question answered on the show here. By the way, when you do send us a question, we remove all the personal information. We love to hear your stories also, your success stories or any advice you have for other listeners. People love to hear that. If if your question's a little bit long, sometimes we do paraphrase parts of it just so that we can get it into these episodes. So let's get started. First of all, I want to talk about a topic that is really interesting to me because in my background, if you remember, I used to own a food business, and part of that was I traded seafood, and pricing was so important. 12 hours a day, I I would just study the price of fish and understand, you know, what what correlates with the fish prices, what doesn't? Well, the reason I'm mentioning that is because I hear this often on a lot of the other websites and blogs, et cetera, and from people is that, you know, why are why pilot salaries are, are finally coming up and also, you know, why is it that they're so desperate right now, quote unquote, in certain articles uh, to be putting all this money out there to get people into the aviation field, into the field of flying, for the, especially the regionals right now. But one thing I want to remind everybody is that, you know, we talked about the pilot shortage. If you get a chance, go to aviationcursepodcast.com slash pilot shortage. We talked about this a couple of years ago. As far as the shortage is concerned, this has been going on for years. I mean, I've been on, you know, national media in, back in 2013 talking about this and and letting people making people understand what a true shortage is as far as the numbers and and why we're having this issue, but it's much more nuanced than you than you can imagine. I'm not going to really talk about the shortage quote-unquote, because we know there is one right now. How long it lasts is is anybody's guess, and, and nobody knows the, the exact answer to that. But let's talk about salaries. Let's let's get specific about salaries. And, and remember, it's much more nuanced than your Economics 101. I have a link to an article. It's uh, Smells Like Desperation, it's called, in General Aviation News. And it's by Ben Claire Ben is a great guy. Uh, he's actually been on the Stuck My CavCast, our sister podcast, and uh, he talks about the uh, Commute Air is advertising jobs and signing bonuses, et cetera, and the fact that uh, they're only going to be making, I guess, about 30 some thousand dollars a year, which uh, is interesting because if you look at the past oh, 15 years, that's that's almost double what it used to be when you started. But getting back to what I'm talking about as far as salaries, salaries don't directly correlate with a shortage, and I'll tell you why. There's many reasons that people work for certain salaries. There's many reasons why you go to work for a specific company. And a lot of times it's more than just the money. And in many, for many years, we were, you know, convinced that we had to start at the bottom with making no money. As a matter of fact, when I started, you actually have to have, had to pay the airline money to actually start working there. Right, right after I started with the airline I was with. was one of the first years they took away that. So remember, it's the perceived value to the individual that's working there. And the value is the fact that they can get the hours to actually get hired with a major airline. Think about it this way. If I'm an employer trying to sell you, you the employee, the person that's just starting, and I say to you, hey, listen, don't worry about your salary. We're going to we're gonna hire you, and you're going to get all these hours. You're going to go on and make your six-figure income over at the majors. So don't worry about that right now. But what has happened is they haven't been able to attract quite as many people that way now because of the fact that the majors are sucking so many people into those jobs and also the corporate jobs, et cetera. There's so many jobs that are out there. So they've had to take another approach, and that approach really isn't bringing the salaries up tremendously. It's more the signing bonuses that are going up. And when they talk about the salaries being high at the regionals, another reason they're higher is because of the fact that you can progress quicker. Uh, Salaries actually at some of the regionals have been fairly good for, for some years. It's just that people never reach those levels because after five years or less, they're moving on to the majors. So remember, you have to look at it from your perspective if i'm going to if i say to you listen you're just going to work for a dollar a month for the next 12 months and you're guaranteed a six-figure income after that you might bite you might say i'll do that and that's what was happening years ago i I know tom you remember years ago when the sours were nothing because they knew that they could get you and and that was the only way you could build that time to move on to the majors (laughs) nowadays it's it's a lot different Because of the fact, number one, yes, there is a shortage. And yes, that is a big, big factor. But it's more than just that. It's how that airline can sell you on that career and on that fact that you're only going to be there for a short amount of time. So we're not seeing huge explosions in the salaries. We're seeing signing bonuses. And people are still complaining about how low the salaries are, and they will be low. And one of the reasons is the fact that a lot of people are using these as stepping stones. Now, with that said... If you look at some of the regional salaries on, on the top end, you know, looking after five, 10 years, those salaries have really gone up. And again, there's people that are making careers at the quote-unquote regionals because the regionals, they've, they've actually evolved into their own major airlines. So your 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 pricing structure, your salary structure has changed. So what I'm trying to say is this, the actual salaries are something that are fluid over time they're dependent on many things shortages yes also they're dependent on how the company can sell an individual on that job it's all about what you do and what you negotiate look at look at the different airlines and the different salaries across airlines you know it's all what you negotiate when you go to that job and that's very similar in the corporate world corporate world's a little different in that your your salaries start off a little bit higher in the beginning and uh, and again if you're in a corporate job and I know Tom you've seen these also some of those jobs are really low because, you know, sometimes they know that all you're doing is, is making, you know, flying just to, to build some hours. So
2: just. Yeah. From, it ends up boiling down to what the company values, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what I found is a small, very similar to the airlines, smaller operations. is just not as good. Right. In larger, more established operations. It's better.
1: Right. Right. And the other thing too, is that um, in any job, let's not just look at airline jobs, but any job there, there is a limit to the amount of money that you can pay your employees. There's a limit uh, based on the amount of money you make. If you notice, airlines are making money. And uh, you know, based on certain models, certain jobs in general, you will make less money because of the fact that that business itself, just the business in general, doesn't make quite as much money. And, uh, you know, with that said, there's many nuanced businesses. There's very small niche, I should say, businesses out there that you can make money with. And I I always go back to a friend of mine who used to actually put horseshoes on horses and and repair them. And there was a ton of people that that were out of business and out of work when we started transitioning to cars. But now there is a business in in working with horseshoes and and working with with horses but more – on a basis of hobbies and that type of thing, not so much for utility, so those jobs are there are jobs there, but they 're not as plentiful and you can actually start making more again but again it's it 's it's cyclic in the beginning there's so many people that can do this job, and there 's tons of people on the street, the prices will go down when there 's not as many people on the street, the prices go up. So there's many different factors. Just remember it's not just the shortage that'll affect the salaries because people were asking me why aren't they going up uh right away. And one of the other reasons and just so I don't uh, just to to finalize here is it's there's different indicators you know and when one of the things, that there's leading there's coincident and there's lagging indicators in anything in any pricing structures and any costs etc and and this pretty much is is a a lagging indicator is, is the salaries there's a lag in other words when the companies start making money when they can afford higher salaries when they need more people they don't immediately bring the prices up they actually go over time very slowly up, and for many reasons, one of them, like I said, they still have a lot of people that are convinced that hey i 'm going to start out at of very low salaries, so then I need to come in and, and work for ten thousand dollars a year. Well, gradually people realize that 's not true anymore, and that 's taken some time and the one interesting thing is it 's kind of like certain pricing in in like fuel costs at at a at a pump, in that you know it takes a while for them to bring the prices down. Uh, but they bring them up pretty quickly. Uh, it just the opposite happens with the aviation field. So just remember that it's not exactly correlated. It's a li- it's a lagging indicator. Of the salaries in the aviation in the airline world it's a lagging indicator. A uh, little bit different in the corporate world uh, because that's a whole other marketplace for jobs, and uh, you'll see a little bit of difference there. And it all depends on on the type of job you're getting there. So hopefully I didn't beat that to the <laughs> that horse too much. But it's uh, it's important to realize that uh, there's there's lots of jobs out there. It's a great job flying. And uh, if you look at a job and you say to yourself, I'm taking this job because I know that I can get to the next point, sometimes you're willing to take a lower salary, and that's what uh, we've seen quite a bit.
2: Hey, Carl, so, uh, how, mm-hmm. how does the – quick question on the salary stuff. With regard to the airlines, a lot of times uh, some of that is driven by the union. Would that be a mm-hmm. fair statement? In other words – we just signed a deal, and it's a three year or five year deal and and that's what it is for three or five years
1: right and that's a that's a great great uh you know example is that with our union salaries, a lot of times they are again lagging uh as far mm-hmm. as the increase in the money that the company takes in or their profits and the money they keep it's It's lagging because now, okay, here we go, we have to bring the salaries up to make people happier and keep them there, etc., mm. is driven by the union contracts, just like you said. And you, again, you get what you negotiate. But remember this, the salaries go up slower than, they, than, than the speed of them coming down. So in a, in a bad time, when things are turned, the economy takes a dump, you're going to see salaries come down dramatically and very quickly. Whereas the actual recovery of those salaries takes much longer. And that cycle we've seen over and over and over again in that it really – because you have to renegotiate the salaries to go up because the negotiations on the other side, when you're doing a reduction in pay, when you're doing a reduction in force, when you start all these furloughs, happens very quickly because the company will come to the union and say, hey, listen, we're going to get rid of X number of people – also, you know, maybe we can make get rid of less people if we can bring the salaries down or have sure. people work part time. Part-time. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things I used to negotiate when I when I was the uh, furlough coordinator for ALPA, is uh, we negotiated salaries that were lower. We also negotiated uh, some leaves of absence and uh, the possibility of working part time, so we didn't lose as many jobs. It's always. A, it's always a much more nuanced uh, approach to negotiations than people think. There's many different yeah. factors, including the fact that do we want to save jobs, do we want to save the salaries, or do we want to have a blend of both? And we try yeah, to use of, for a blend.
2: Yeah, kind of dependent and mm-hmm. a lot of moving parts in that.
1: Yes, it's very goal-dependent, and there are a lot of moving parts. Uh, so, and and there's, uh, I didn't want to get into all lists. Oh, this is the reason why the salaries go up and down because that those things that I talk about, uh, in other words, the perceived value from the person that's taking that job. Uh, it's not just the salary, it's other things. Uh, those things change constantly. And that's why, like I said, I mean, when I was in the fish business and I, I studied seafood prices 12 hours a day, but the price, the, the, the variables changed and the different requirements for the pricing changes over time and even for different seasons it's mm-hmm. it's really fascinating to watch uh salaries and how they do change and go up and down it's it's really really interesting stuff so it's a market it is a market and remember it's a market and it go and prices go up and down but again when they go up they lag uh but uh, when they come down they lead so when there's a problem in the in the airlines when there's uh <laughs> furloughs and there's a downturn in the economy you, you bet your bibby that's going to be uh, coming down pretty quickly uh the right. salaries so anyway Interesting. yeah it's good it's good stuff i think i think uh a big thing with the union contracts is that uh they try to also define other things as far as uh salaries but not just that but also furloughs and how they will furlough people and who gets furloughed that type of thing and if you knew the airlines understand that you know when you're the most junior person you're the first one to go they go from the bottom up. Uh, They don't take the most expensive people off the list, but again, during a furlough, that's one of the first things they do is ask those people at the top of the list, hey, do you want to take an early out, early retirement? We'd we'd love to have you go so that we can bring our total salary package down. And a lot of times it works out better for the company to do that. Sometimes it doesn't, it usually does. Uh, So Anyway, so if you have questions about the salaries and and understanding what's going on in, in, in the world, there's there's one rule, and that's that if the rules always change, constantly change as far as salaries are concerned. There's a couple uh, general statements I hear from a lot of people. Well, that's uh, if there really is a pilot shortage, why aren't, are the, aren't the salaries coming up? Well, it's a lagging indicator. That's one of the main reasons, and uh, some of the things we expanded on here, but there are some more. And one uh, thing I just thought
2: of uh, that might be helpful for some of your listeners, Carl, from a corporate perspective, is you know I know in the airline world you can kind of Google this salary stuff and get a pretty good indication of what the salary is at each, uh, each airline from regional all the way through legacy. Uh, I'm not sure if the listeners are aware though, in the corporate world, the, you know, our association that, that we corporate and business aviation people use is the NBAA national business aviation association. And they put out an annual salary survey. That's very useful. If some of your folks are, you know, going into their first corporate opportunity or going, Hmm. Do I want to go airline or corporate from a financial perspective? What makes more sense? And and uh, I think you got to pay for it. It's not that much money, but it's. Uh, I found it to be fairly accurate and really useful.
1: You know, that's a that's great. We'll we'll have a link to that by the way in the show notes. Uh, Avi podcast uh, one twenty two. That is a I've actually seen that and it's awesome. It's it's great to have that. And again, those salaries change every year and for different reasons, even within yeah. different markets. Uh, absolutely fascinating stuff, and it's uh, it's actually there's there's uh, different websites that just are devoted to salaries and watching salaries in different careers, <laughs> absolutely. And the, and, and uh, uh, was it the Bureau of Labor Management? That's another one to look at, is mm-hmm. the statistics there for salaries. Uh, that but that's more historical than looking forward. And some of these, uh, the n b w a actually, I think, and and certain other websites, not just them, are really good about representing the current salaries and also predicting future salaries, uh, and, and they do a really good job of that. So go definitely check that out in BAA. Well, Tom, the uh, the salaries are important. It is important to, to make money, uh, to pay your bills, etc. but also when you're looking at a company in general, uh, just uh, let's look at salaries. Let's also look at your entire compensation package. When you're at that point in your career where this is this is where I am, this is the, the end of the road, in, in other words, this is where I'm going to stay, uh, make sure you look at everything, your retirement, your benefits, your health insurance, that's become very important, uh, health insurance in retirement, that type of thing. So it's good to really look at everything. It's It's not just about the salary. And Tom, you and I were just talking about this. It's about the lifestyle too. You know, we yeah. all we all make decisions, don't we, uh, about our lifestyle when we choose careers.
2: Yeah, there's value in things that you can't put a monetary value on. Uh, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere. I love it. That has value to me. Uh, some other people would not be willing to put up with that. So it's just different strokes for different folks. It snows where you are too, and
1: that's. Oh boy! I tell thing. you,
2: it's so cold out right now.
1: <laughs> that's another thing that I'm not sure I can handle. It's uh, nine degrees outside. Oh right my now. gosh! I was on the beach just a couple hours ago, walking in my shorts, and I had to put a sweatshirt yeah. on. It got below seventy. Yes, uh, right.
2: And
1: and, and that's Thank you. that's those are the, <laughs> but but there's a great example. People do love the snow, and they like yeah. to see the change of of seasons. I like palm trees. Uh, I work in a place where there's a change of seasons. Now that I work back in New York. But it's nice to go there and visit and come back. Uh, yeah. It is. I love the snow. It's beautiful and everything. But it is different when you have to shovel your driveway. Uh, yeah. than, but,
2: but those are value. Uh, you know, they can really help in making a decision how someone plots out their career.
1: Oh, definitely. And and as an example, we were just talking about before. I've decided that I I like my lifestyle and i love being able to do this podcast this month i'm working i'm working eight days this month next uh have like 16 days off it's it's because of of the fact that i'm senior in my position that i can do those things and work on this podcast so that's a that's really really important to me if it was all just about the money i would just upgrade to captain right away and uh and have sure. a have a actually not a very good lifestyle would i uh, so the, those things are really important when you're looking at the whole package. So uh, hopefully we, we put that forth in this podcast. It's not just about the money. It's about the lifestyle. It's about the cool things you do. And, um, you know, I think, for me, I would love to do Tom's job a few months out of the year. I really like my job a lot, but it'd be kind of cool to see, you know, what you're doing and the different trips you do and that lifestyle. Yeah, it you would have. be neat to switch. Yeah, it, it, that and you know, it's just it's too bad
2: that that's essentially impossible because it would be fun, but also the learning takeaways from doing something like that, you know, are are uh, they're priceless. You know, when you see and experience different things in this aviation, you know, high. Risk high reliability type of venture, uh, those types of, you know, job swaps or whatever you want to call it, it'd be so fun and um.
1: useful yeah it sure would be uh but uh, anyway let's move on to our questions and if you have questions about salaries i know we talked about a bunch of things here uh just re- realize that uh salaries just they don't correlate with the, with the pilot shortage they you you everybody has their opinions on the different indicators there's many different indicators and it's the same thing in the stock market people you know everybody has different ideas about what indicators would affect certain pricing in a stock and somewhere in all that expertise, there's the right answer. And uh, actually, more than one person can be right. Uh, but the most important thing is what's right for you, you listening right now, what's right for you, and what's going to help you move forward in your career. So, Tom, let's uh, let's get started with some of these questions. And, uh, let's do it. These are some really good questions. By the way, uh, please write in. Uh, long questions are fine. Uh, we take We take everything, Uh, sometimes we may summarize them, and of course we take out all the things that are personal within the question. Also, if you have some really good stories, I'd love your feedback, Uh, and tell us some of the things, some of your successes. That'd be wonderful. Starting with our first question, this actually is uh, geared towards Tom. It says, uh, hi, Carl and crew. I guess I won't apologize for the lengthy email since you all seem to enjoy them. It's just like what we're talking about. I enjoy your podcast immensely and have listened to all 120-plus episodes. I have learned a lot by doing so. A little background on myself. I'm 24 years old, have a wife and a son that's almost a year old. I've enjoyed flying ever since my uncle took me for a ride in his 182. I don't remember how old I was, probably about nine. I only remember how scared I was. I was terrified as he rolled down the runway, but I will always remember the first time I felt the wings load and everything got so smooth. I realized that flying wasn't scary, and I was totally won over. After that, I couldn't get enough. On several flights after that, my uncle let me fly a little, and flying bit me hard. During my teenage years, I thought about being a pilot once in a while, but sports, my hobbies, and later my future wife kept me occupied. After being married, it all started coming back. My goal is to be a corporate pilot. I have a second cousin who's a pilot for an oil company. I've flown with him to make sure this is what I want to do, and it definitely is. My wife is 100% on board with everything, and we have made a commitment to do it all debt-free. This is a huge commitment, and realize that it will take longer to accomplish everything, but we feel this is the best. He says he's an hour away from uh, uh, many different colleges, and uh, his wife actually went to Purdue for a tour of the aviation program. They have very nice equipment, and, and uh, you graduate with a four-year degree and a restricted ATP. Uh, the price was the issue—roughly sixty to eighty thousand for the flight training—and that was on top of the regular tuition. That was not enough, even as an option for us. A little discouraged, we started praying for other options and found out that. There is another school that offered a two year degree and can get an AMP certificate so you can become a mechanic. So we went and checked it out and I felt good about it. My plan was to get my AMP there and find a better paying job to fund my flight training as I have zero flight time. Started college and have been commuting an hour and 20 minutes each way for one semester. Whew, that's a long commute. Because of the need for to support a family, I've been able to be at a student part-time, so a two-year degree would take me roughly four-plus four years to complete. Also, the classes are only offered during the day, so I have to be off work. This does not leave any room for flight training, both financially and with my time. I've been thinking of other options, and I have some questions about all of it. I was hopefully, hoping to get some advice from all of you, especially Tom Wachowski, as he is in the corporate world. First... How important is a college degree in the corporate world? Second, I would la- have the option of getting a two-year business degree or something similar. This will allow me to go to school evenings and online as, as it is local and classes are more flexible. I hear you talk a lot about getting a degree outside aviation. Will this be a better option in, in that regard as well? so tom let's let's start there with that is let's start answering that first question, then we 'll go on. You know how important is a college degree in the corporate world tom it's a great question, and if you were to ask me this ten years ago, I would
2: have a different answer than I have today. So what I am hearing from this gentleman is he and, and we need to be clear on corporate versus business aviation uh, because what I mean is if you go fly for a family or if you go fly for a large oil company. Uh, those are two completely different worlds with two completely different hiring standards and lifestyle standards, et cetera. So when he says corporate, I'm assuming he's thinking big company because of the reference to the oil company. So how important is a college degree for that? You have no choice. Uh, The big corporation fortune companies with airplanes are nearly all there in terms of, yes, we require a college degree. So Uh, maybe not what you wanted to hear, but that is the reality of it.
1: So also as far as the the type of degree, uh, he he asked about, you know, having a degree outside of aviation and, and whether that'd be a really good option. That's an interesting question. And I've, I've always said it's good to have, I love aviation and love to have a degree, but it is nice to have something in business or, or, something similar.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that would depend on where he wants to go inside of the large corporation. So, uh, you know, do you need an aviation degree to run and manage a large corporate flight department? No. Uh, Does it help? Unfortunately, kind of sort of politically it does because you got to put yourself in the shoes of big company HR. They don't get aviation. They get degrees. They get paper on the wall. So, and and there's pros and cons to that, by the way. So, when they look at aviation, they go, well, you, if you're going to run it, you ought to have an aviation management degree. Now we all know that if you have a business degree or if you have a, you know, a psychology degree or, you, you learn a lot of the same concepts and philosophies in terms of leading and managing people and operations. But, you know, so you really got to go, well, how big of an operation do I want to go for? The bigger, the more structured and, uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, check the box type of thing it's going to be. The smaller the operator or the smaller the the company or the business, the less structured it's going to be. You know, so so there's where I say, you know ten years ago, you could get away with a two year degree and, and really a, a, a you know a fortune one thousand type of company, not so much anymore uh, where now you need the four- year degree. and uh, it could really, you know I don't have a good black and white answer, but maybe some things for you to consider.
1: That's a good, good uh, answer, I think, Tom. That's really, it depends on where you're, you're going and what, uh, where you're headed there. Interestingly enough, he continues. Let's continue on with his email here. He said, he asked also, would a business degree be more valuable to a corporate flight department from a management standpoint than a degree in aviation maintenance? Uh, or should I stop college and focus on flight training right now? since that is really where I'm headed. These are good questions. These are great questions. (laughs) Uh, He says, I'm really struggling with quitting college and even with changing my major because I'm a person that does not like to quit something I start. I'm looking for the best option for my career and family. So let's continue on.
2: Go ahead. Yeah, let me step in right there because uh, two things. The business degree, what do you want to do? I mean, do you want to fly airplanes? Maybe not so much business degree. Do you want to run the department? It would help you a whole bunch. Uh, but what I really want to interject in is on this. I really struggle with quitting college and even changing my major because I'm a person that does not like to quit. Be very careful about what you're telling yourself there, because I, I, when I read that, I kind of cringed up and went, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Are you quitting or are you pivoting?" Mm-hmm. Good point. You know, that, that's an important distinction there because that could drive you down a a a different road that could potentially be more painful than if you pivot versus quit. You follow me?
1: Sure. Yeah. And, and in in changing that direction, you're not actually quitting. You're but if you do quit college, you quit college and it's hard to get back into it. Uh, believe me. Right, 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 right. You know? And uh, and I, I see what you're saying there and I think that's important. Uh, to to understand the the distinction between the quitting and, and pivoting. So yeah. that's really, really important. Uh, but interestingly enough, he has some other options here. That's why I love this email because he has so. Yeah, this he's, is good. he's really thinking outside the box. He continues. Let me uh, get these two paragraphs in. We'll kind of answer some of the other questions he has. Uh, so he says, he continues, So I don't mind making a change for the better. I also am currently helping my uncle build an experimental airplane. It is almost finished, and he has told me that I can get at least my private pilot license in it at no charge other than fuel, et cetera, as long as I can find an instructor willing to work with that. This would reduce the cost of my private pilot license by at least half. So I have all that to consider as well. That is a few other things. By the way, if you are going to bring in a flight instructor that's uh, other than a friend, you you definitely will need to to pay them. Of course, everybody should be paid for for their time. Uh, So anyway, he continues. There's some options he has. And, and of course, if you want really specific advice, we encourage you to go through our coaching. But um, options that he sees right now are, number one, continue pursuing my A and B at a half pace time but put off flight training because of the time and financing the commute. Right? That makes sense. But option two, switch majors, so I can go to school evenings and do classes online. I only finished two classes in the AMP program, so I would not be throwing away years of work. Switching would allow me to work full time and probably do some flight training on Saturdays and during the summer. Then later, I still want to get my AMP, I could work by working as a certified AMP, the required amount of time to get in my would only be a nice add on in that in this option and not as a must and option three, and remember with the a m p you can go to school, get all the hours or you can work under the tutelage of somebody and have uh, get your hours that way just as a summary uh, number three, you can quit school altogether to pursue flight training only because that is my main goal. I realize that is easy to only see a few of the options when you are in the situation that other people can sometimes see things you can't. I hope this wasn't too confusing and you're all able to get an idea of where I am. I look forward to whatever advice you and the crew have uh it's It's interesting because. These are all really interesting options. I think yeah. one, like you said, is pivoting. The other one is, is kind of quitting or leaving. Uh, I really I, no matter where you go, you definitely will need a degree. Uh, what you get degre- the degree in isn't quite as important, but you know one good thing about aviation degree is that you will understand a lot, uh, especially in a flight department, more so than if you go to yeah. another type of degree. You're going to learn a lot of those things along the way. Believe me, I don't have an aviation degree, and I was able to learn all those things, and, and many people do. Uh, but you actually have to look at what your goal is, and you keep leaning towards this AMP, uh, which sounds like a, a very interesting option and a way to make some extra money. Uh, but there are there are many ways, not just just the AMP, and there's many ways to make, make that extra money. I think, too, another thing that's underlying here that I don't think he asked, but I'd, I'll ask for him, is really how important that AMP is to a corporate flight department. Uh, yeah. Tom, I, I don't. Good question. It, it, you, uh, in many d- departments, it's important. Um, and I'm not sure it, it's, it varies. And I've heard it's varied throughout. But has it changed over the years, Tom, in your opinion, as far as the, the importance? I'll
2: tell you what, yeah, it's a great question, Carl. I'll tell you what I see is <clears throat> smaller uh, non business operations i.e. family mainly when you're flying for a wealthy family or individual they love that amp because it gives them flexibility that plane breaks on the road you can fix it or at least you can you know get things going you speak the language etc as you move into the more structured larger business where you know you you don't necessarily work for an owner but you work for a company through a through an organizational chart they they, i I don't want to say they don't care but you know, when it's on a resume and you're trying to be a pilot, it just doesn't hold the weight. I think that, you know, for the, for the sweat equity you put into getting it and you want to be a pilot, having it on the resume for, you know, like the oil company he was talking about, I I can't see that being a differentiator in terms of, we've got, you know, five people on the desk here that we're going to interview and we're, going to interview this one because it has an AMP. I can't see that. I, I might be wrong. I've never been in that situation of having to choose, but I just, that's what I see out in the world. So a good friend of mine flies for a family and he was brought into that job because he had 20 years as an AMP and that has brought them lots of flexibility. Uh, other friends have an AMP and they've basically, you know, it is not current because the business says, no, 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 you fly. So I think the real question is maybe, do you want to be an A&P or do you want to be a pilot? And I know that's a, that might be a little bit of a tough one to swallow as you look at these forks in the road, but that might be, I don't know if the starting point, but a starting point.
1: Interestingly, Tom, when you talk about the A.M.P. in the corporate world, uh, there are certain jobs out there, especially like mission flying, et cetera, where they want you to be an A.M.P. You're Good out point. there alone right. with an airplane, and and you need to have an A.M.P. and and do the repairs and sign them off. Uh, it all depends on the on the type of department. Yeah, and tra- yes. talking about big departments, you're you're going to be flying. Same thing with the airlines. And a, lo- a lot of folks let their A.M.P. lapse, and uh, you know they just don't even use it. It's nice to have that when you have to sign something off in the field. There are some cargo uh, carriers mm-hmm. that really like you to have an A.M.P. Some of the smaller ones, especially, and yeah, it's nice to have. But uh, but in general, it's kind of going by the wayside. I have to agree with that, Tom. Is that's not mm-hmm. as important with A.M.P. Um, Another interesting thing, and and I love this question, by the way, and all the questions you have here, very complex issues, uh, but one thing that's interesting, and this is a a sticking point for for some people, he has a PS, and this question is for Tom, Uh, would it be at all possible to find a job in the corporate world where I'd only be required to fly, uh, would not, excuse me, not be required to fly on Sunday for religious reasons? Uh, In general, that's a tough one, but Tom, I'll let you take that.
2: That's a tough one. Uh, I have run across this before, and uh, my experience in the the select few that have, you know, we've had these discussions is uh, nearly impossible. Now, I say nearly and not totally because of this. I think of, you know, where I fly out of, there is a religious organization that has an airplane, now, I don't know their schedule and it's winter. So the thing's locked up in the hangar. And if it's there or not there on Sundays, I can't tell, but I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet. It's probably sitting in the hangar on Sunday. So are those, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine, a real good friend was flying for an individual, wealthy individual who was a man of God. And while they sometimes flew on Sundays, they mostly didn't because, you know, that was important to him. So not totally impossible, but, ooh, you just you just really brought the niche way, way down. Now, Carl, what about in the airline world?
1: Interestingly, there is no holidays, there's no Sundays, there's no religious holidays in, in the airline world, but, of course, there are in the real world. As you move up, no. of course, you're going to have a better schedule so that you can take those days off. If you have to have it for religious reasons, uh, there are ways that uh, people have been able to say, hey, no, I can't fly on this day because of my religion, but it's normally not the case. It's uh, A religious holiday is a religious holiday for certain people. There's so many diverse backgrounds and so many different religions that work at the airlines. Uh, but to accommodate all, it'd be quite difficult. Now, with that said, of course, if you have a very strong religious belief, uh, they will... Try to make exceptions, but the first thing you're gonna to have to do is make the exception yourself. Meaning that you need to try to get Sunday off in your schedule and say, "I'm gonna bid all Sundays off." And you can do that. You can actually bid Sundays off, or, or maybe it's Wednesday or it's Saturday, etc. Uh, and as you get more senior, you can always hold those off. For instance, you know we just talked about it before. You know about lifestyle. I actually can hold weekends off, and uh, a lot of times I don't. I like to work weekends, but if I want to, I can have every Sunday off. All year, and that wouldn 't be a problem because of the fact i 'm a little more senior, uh, but we don 't in a lot of businesses there are no ho- holidays similar to in transportation as it is uh, in being a doctor i mean people are always moving that type of thing and always getting sick et cetera so uh, yeah we don't we don't we, we, uh, we don 't really distinguish those, but the one thing about working on holidays sometimes you get extra pay at many of the different airlines mm. uh, not so, in in the corporate world i don 't think that 's as true but Um, I do know in certain small corporate environments, I've only flown for families in the corporate world, and those folks usually were traveling during the holidays, but it was usually the day before, the day after. But occasionally, you know, the person had to get back on that day, and and you're on call, and you may have to go. Uh, And I will say
2: this, too. uh, I spent a significant amount of time at a corporation where, you know, it was business hours, 9 to 5, And while we were, you know, available to fly, I'm telling you, in my time there, I could count on one hand how many Sundays we flew, and I'm not raising many fingers. So, you know, it it, it really, there's a couple variables that drive that, and it's not, it, it can, it's something that you would really need to investigate as you moved along this path of flying for different organizations.
1: And if you're flying for an air ambulance, there are no holidays. Uh, right. That's a good example, too. It's, right. There's just certain things that just uh, yeah. you, you know you won't have holidays. off, and a lot of people get sick on the holidays. And
2: yeah, he's not stuff. the first one, I'm sure, that has encountered this. So oh, uh, no. you know, reach out. There's got to be some, some folks in that circle who could give you some maybe better advice there.
1: Now, with that said, uh, you can – and again, I've seen it happen. In the airlines say, hey, listen, I can't work this day. Is there anything you can do for me? And I've done this myself. And said, so I have this obligation, and is there any way I can get out of it? And I, the airline I work for, actually, they said, okay, but you're going to have to take the days off without pay. I said, fine. I really need to do this. I'm volunteering for this one one event, and it's, I've been doing it for so many years. You know, Would you be willing to do this and help me out? And they said, sure. So the best thing to do is ask and yeah. say, hey, can you do this as a favor? Great yeah. questions. You have a lot of different ways to go in your career uh, and I'm glad you're thinking through it. So, wonderful questions yeah. to keep them
2: coming. Yeah, uh, talk that out. I think yeah, I think there's some talking out there left, yes. you know, for him and uh, which is great, which is hey, do it now before you're 5, 10, 20 years into it going, "Ooh, I missed that." Yeah. Cool thing is you're young
1: and yeah, way 24 young. years old. Gosh, you know, I have uh, I have books that are older than that. Anyway, the, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving on to the next question. Thanks again for that question. We uh, have a short one here. It says, I'm looking for a good accelerated flight program. Are there any better, quote unquote, less expensive ones than uh, all ATPs? I realize that in most cases you get what you pay for, but I'm just checking around. Thanks. Uh, obviously there's, there's different ones out there that are are less expensive uh, bigger companies like ATP they advertise a lot and we hear about them all the time. Uh, it's a good organization you know i've I've uh, just like anything else there's been mixed results with different people. I think a lot of it's what you put into it also um, but yeah there's there's different places that are less expensive and but you have to you have to sort out what's out there and you have to do the research. Uh, wish I had a directory in mind, but there's uh, if you look up multi-engine training, especially in your local area, you'd be surprised what you find, and that's what I did. Uh, that's word of mouth, and I said, "Hey, this is a great school. It's run by this captain at one of the airlines who is is really conscientious about." bringing forth training that'll make you a better and safer pilot and you get it done in less time and and less expensive. So it's not always about how much you pay, it's uh it's also about the quality of your training. And and a good example is your your flight instructors get paid usually the same amount of money or you pay the flight instructor the same amount. You can have a good instructor Or a bad instructor. So your experience at a place like all ATPs could be good or bad depending on the instructor you get. So make sure if you do have an issue with an instructor, you tell them, hey, listen, this is – I need – I'm raising the flag – and I need to say, hey, I need another instructor. But uh, are there other ones out there? Yeah, there's bunches of them out there, and uh, a lot of them are even associated with college programs. Don't forget about those college programs and the schools that are associated with those colleges. Many colleges also use contracting services and local flight schools, and they usually have to have a multi-engine program that's in place, and you can ask them how much would that cost for you to go through that and and complete that. So uh, definitely look there. Anyway, thanks for that question, and uh, I think uh, if, if you just look on your local basis, you'll find something. So ask around. Word of mouth is really important. Our next question comes in. Uh, it's actually an up, update here. It says uh, uh, someone we've talked to before. So after our short exchange last September, uh, I enrolled in ATP Flight Academy. Interestingly enough, we were just talking about this. After eight months, I successfully completed the course in its entirety. I was, quite a period in my, it was It was quite a period in my life filled with intense training and stressful trek rides. I was in their standardization class on course to be flight instructor until I dropped out to move home one eval flight away from being signed off as an ATP instructor. That move changed my aviation career path quite drastically. I'm now a co-pilot on a King Air 200, and I also instruct on the side. I listen to your podcast and hear people asking about ATP all the time. Again, a coincidence. I can only relate that because of going to ATP was one of the toughest decisions I made. If you are still looking for people to share their experience pre, during, and post ATP, I would be glad to share some insights and stories. Keep on producing great podcasts. If I could give one feedback, it's that I find the pace a little slow for my listening. I put it on one and a half times and sometimes hit fast forward button. And it works for me. Well, yeah, sometimes we are a little bit slow paced, but we try to get these questions in there. We'll try to pick up the pace. Maybe if you talk faster, Tom, maybe that'll help. Yeah, he's,
2: and uh, he's a little advanced in the career, too. So he's, a, lot of, he's, a lot of these lessons have already been checked.
1: This is very true. And right. also, a lot of times, uh, and the feedback we do get, a lot of folks stop listening to us unless it's a specific person that we interview sure. about a specific job. And I can understand that because, uh, yeah. you know, once you've, you've uh, uh, reach the place you want to be, you know, there may not be a reason for you to listen. I lo- I hope you still tune in every so often and, and listen to some of the podcasts and maybe have some advice. Love to have you on. Uh, send me an email and we can schedule a time to have you on to talk about all ATPs. That would be wonderful.
2: And I'm can... very jealous of where he's based. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't mention where, but we don't usually say where, but it's a, it is a yes. cool spot. Again, yes. it snows where he is. Uh, <laughs> the... Um, Moving on, again, please oh, send us an email and schedule time. Uh, Russ, who helps produce the podcast, is the a per- a person to talk to and get you in the schedule. We'll do an interview. We'll talk about all ATPs and the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, and, uh, and w- what the result was after being there. I think there's some great information out there about the school, and I'd love to hear from someone who actually has completed it. Next question comes in and says, hi, to start with, I love the podcast. I've been flying for 20 years and never thought there might be a seat at the airlines for me. So needless to say, my logbooks are a mess. And I'd like to ask what the best way to clean this up going forward. I'm a few weeks from possibly applying to an airline. Things are not chronological and it multiple logs. Is there a good solution that you could suggest? Thank you for your kind consideration. Uh, I actually kind of did the same thing. I wasn't really, uh, my logs were all different. As a matter of fact, just about everybody's logbooks look different. Because when you start, you start off usually with a little logbook and then you move up to the more advanced. And then you go to an electronic logbook a lot of times. And and I had all three. Uh, I had the little logbook and uh, it really took time for me to go through that, uh, Tom. I'm sure you've also had that in your career. Exact same thing, and uh, now I have binders.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, it's just kind of whatever works for you. Right?
1: Bind- yeah, that actually is a great idea. I've 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 gone on to electronic logbook, but I've used multiple electronic logbooks, and I ha- haven't actually even moved my information from the old electronic to the new electronic. So I have about yeah. six thousand hours in one and few thousand hours in another. And and that's what I've been doing. But when you're getting ready for an interview, remember that what the airline is going to do is they're going to look back and they're going to look at things that are important, like your ATP. Uh, did you complete certain check rides? Sometimes if your logbook is like that, the best thing to do is put some tabs in there, you know, sticky notes and show this is where I finished my CFI. I finished my instrument. I, I finished my commercial, that type of thing. So it's a good idea to do that. Also make sure your numbers match and make sure everything adds up and you properly logged everything too. And, uh, and no pencil whipping, by the way. So really it's really important, uh, by that meaning, you know, don't lie about what's in your logbook. It's simple. Carl, do you know in, in an
2: interview like that with SkyWest, would he bring those books to the interview or, mm-hmm. or how does that work?
1: Yeah, yeah. Every yeah, interview okay. that I've been to, they've uh, had to bring them. And uh, it's really important to have those uh, in some type of a of, – and, and specifically for SkyWest – uh, the last one I did, I did not have to. I actually worked there for a while, and um, there's, there's, it's probably changed over the years. I'd have to, I have to check on that one, uh, honestly, and and look. But most airlines do want to see your logbooks. Yeah, uh, I tell you, the uh, the takeaway there might be, you know, I see things are
2: not, you know, they're not in order, and they're kind of across different books, like you said. the, the key here is to make it very easy for somebody to. Get your story from the books. You know, those tabs, uh, a lot of value there.
1: The other thing, too, is that, you know, reminding them that you've been doing this for 28 years is kind of a hobby. Right. And, uh, and and I've seen a lot of interesting logbooks from people that have changed careers in their 50s and and want to move on to the airlines for a while and then move on to something else after that. So there there are some challenges there, but definitely... Definitely uh, look into trying to make sure that the numbers are correct, and then you have tabs in there to actually show them where everything is, and that's quite important. Anyway, let's uh, move on to the next question. Hopefully, that's helped. Uh, there's there's many good logbook uh, examples out there, but uh, again, it's going to be a challenge either way. Moving on to the next question. It says Carl and cohorts. I previously wrote to you about 18 months ago, asking you to find someone to interview about ag aviation. And I wanted to thank you for accomplishing that task several months ago. Uh, Well, thanks. It was kind of difficult at first to find that. Uh, When I wrote previously, I was pursuing my instrument rating. Since that time, I've completed my instrument rating, single commercial, multi-commercial, CFI, and multi-engine instructor. I wanted to thank you for all the work that you guys have done and the moral support that you guys provide to the thousands of us that listen to your podcasts. I'm writing this as I listen to episode 119, and as Eric mentioned that he remembers quitting his last real job, I knew I had to write in. I am a mass consumer of aviation podcasts, all of them I think, from those countless hours of listening, one of the key things that I have taken away is that networking is king. So since I learned that fact, I have put myself out into the local flying community as much as my work schedule would allow, and I joined a local flying club, the same one as Russ Rosleski. Russ is actually a co-host of Stuck Mike Avcast, where I have been serving as director of maintenance for the last year. That's totally cool. And uh, Russ, actually, I talked to him before this, and he said uh, he remembers you, or actually knows you, and that's pretty pretty exciting. Uh, Recently, I received a call from a friend that I've made through the flight club who is one of the instructors for the club. This person is a captain for a local Part 135 jet operator. And through a series of calls and an interview, I was able to secure a position as second-in-command on a business jet. Very nice. (laughs) That's awesome. Needless to say, due to my logbook being a bit on the thin side, less than 300 hours, I'm still in a state of shock realizing that next week I'll be flying second-in-command on a jet full-time. Had I not followed your advice, I know that I would not be working my very last day at a real job today. I just wanted to deliver this bit of feedback to serve as an inspiration for those thousands of us who listen to your podcasts and to you and your cohorts. I know you got a chuckle out of my first email. When I referred to you as cohorts instead of (laughs) co-hosts, so that you would continue to provide guidance to those of us who are just beginning our journey. Sometimes I do think we're we're cohorts here. P.S., time to listen to the latest edition of Private Jet Podcast. It is especially relevant to me now. Well, Private (laughs) Jet Podcast, of course, is uh, hosted by Tom Wachowski. It's an awesome show. Uh, Some really cool information there. And uh, really great job, uh, Tom, putting that together. I really love and enjoy listening to that. So. I tell you who the
2: great job goes to is this guy for landing in the right seat of that jet. I mean, that's an that's an unbelievable accomplishment. And, and for everybody listening, look, I, less than three hundred hours. so so you know, it is possible. Uh, now, Carl, you, I think would agree the real work begins now, right? I mean,, uh, oh, yeah. you know, three hundred hours that that jet will be so far ahead of you the first fifty hours. And really, is that, you know now is the time that you hunker down and know what every symbol means, what all these limitations are, and uh, you know buy yourself a thousand hours through intense study over the next three months. But that's who the congrats goes to is not me him.
1: Oh yeah, and and it's great that he actually listens to other people. I do the same. You'll know, follow those people that have have actually gone before you and and listen to the key advice. And Tom, I mean, I think you brought it to this podcast in the beginning was networking is very is key and it's very very important in anything you do, not just in the corporate environment, but anything you do in life. Networking is incredibly important. Uh, you know, there's different networks online. People use LinkedIn, etc. But you know, there's there's nothing like the face-to-face, hand-to-hand, pressing-the-flesh type of contact you get. Yeah. And that's exactly what you've done here, is you've actually made friends with somebody, and that's how some of the best jobs come about, is by actually talking to people individually. Happens in the airlines, too. I know we say in this this environment that just seems large and, and not very personal, it is personal. Uh, and if you make a personal contact, you're probably going to be more likely to get that job. So that's awesome. Uh, and, and don't forget to listen to private jet podcast, Privatejetpodcast.com I think is what the, the website it. is. Um, so thanks so much about that. And I'd love to hear from you again. And uh, and Russ said that he is very excited, by the way. Mentioned Russ Wiesleski, who's also a co-host of Stuck Mike Avcast. He was incredibly excited for what you've done and uh, just thinks it is just the coolest thing that you landed that job. So again, congrats on that new job and keep us posted about things in the future. Um, the next one comes in. I think we have time for one more here before we close out. And this what? comes uh, from a friend in Canada here. Uh, says, thanks for everything you do. I recently discovered your podcast and it has been an extremely valuable source of information. Uh, apologies in advance for the length of this email. Uh, the One of the things I might do a little paraphrasing on this because it is a little bit longer and there's some uh, uh, personal stuff in here, so I just want to quick, we'll go through some of the highlights. He's 31 years old and lives in Canada and my career background is in accounting and finance. I have a good job earning a very good salary in the oil and gas industry. While I like working in the industry, my true passion is aviation and travel. Also, almost finished an ex- excuse me an executive MBA program at a top-ranked business school, and completing this course has made me think about my priorities in life and my career. I'm now extremely focused on making a switch to the aviation industry, and I'm even thinking about crazier ideas like becoming a pilot. The prospect of getting paid to do what I really do with my vacation time is extremely appealing. Even if becoming a pilot is impossible, then working for an airline in a professional or managerial role would certainly be the next best thing. One major barrier is my current salary and career. Currently, at 31 years old, I'm earning about the same as a junior captain at one of the major Canadian airlines. Uh, you know, further they, Furthermore, the average salary for graduates of my MBA program is about $250,000 3 years after graduation. That's uh, pretty darn good. From my research, starting pay at the regionals here in Canada is about one quarter of my current salary. This is an enormous opportunity cost to consider. When I think about it, will it will take 15 years just to get back to what I'm earning today. That alone, what I could do not alone what I could be do earning in the future. Uh, however, I'm really trying to think about this from a quality of life perspective. This is no point earning lots of money if I'd be happier in a different career. I was hoping you might be able to help me out in answering a few of my questions. Before I answer some of your questions, I just want you to know I had the same problem. I was making as much as a 777 Captain makes today, and I said to myself, you know what, I love flying, and I'm going to do something that I really, really enjoy, and it's a little over 15 years later, and uh, the salary isn't quite where I was, but I'm enjoying it, and my quality of life is awesome. I basically work a part-time job. And my full-time job seems to be podcasting. And it's it, life is absolutely wonderful. Oh, and by the way, I can just kind of fly everywhere in the world for free pretty much. And it's a wonderful thing. So I think that's that's something to consider. But really consider it uh, with a lot of forethought because that's a lot of money to give up. There's a lot of things to think about there. So you And you have to go do a lot of soul searching uh, because it, it's tough to leave a job that's making a lot of money. It really, really is. Uh, so, number one, he's applied for a few jobs at major airlines in strategy, network planning, finance, accounting, and investor relations with no success so far. Uh, we want to know if I had any advice on applicants to the aviation industry uh, for presenting cover letters and resumes, et cetera. One of the things is not having industry experience. I think that's really important to try to do that. Uh, sometimes it's best to start small and by starting small, possibly help out in a, in a business that's in at your airport or locally, an FBO, that type of thing. Help manage that. Managing Even help managing an airport part-time. There's a lot of different jobs you can get into to show your interest in aviation. And not having any aviation uh, experience is tough because there's very few management positions out there compared to other fields. So that's really, really uh, important to look at. Um, there is another interesting thing he brings up too. Is his next question is, you know, how feasible is it to complete flight training while being employed full time in a potentially demanding job? That's really tough. Uh, you know, there's there's a time when you will have to bite the bullet and move on to your flying career. I came to that point myself a lot of the people have done that you've heard them talk on this podcast you'll you'll know it when you see it kind of thing there's a there's a point where you're like oh my gosh i need to do this now i'm this but this ball is rolling i'm getting some steam and it's time to move forward Um, as far as uh, the other questions he has are more for the regional pilot shortage also existing in canada there is a shortage in the u s in canada it's it 's not quite like here in the u s so the industries are a little bit different but yes there the, there is a sucking sound into the into the u s because of the fact that it 's not that hard to move your license to the United States as a matter of fact that's his next question was how transferable are U.S. and Canadian pilot licenses and ratings? Well, I actually sent this one to Eric Crump, thinking he'd come up with well, a funny answer, and he did. And I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna quote Eric Crump in this answer. He says, "It's cake simple. Take the FAA knowledge test, go visit a FISDO. you've got your license. So that's what you need to do. So that's quote unquote cake simple, meaning easy as pie, or. Easiest cake, I guess, in his, his terms. So it's really simple to do. Uh there's a process. We have links to it in the podcast and the show notes on how to go about getting your US license. Uh Canada's different, uh, different market, but it's it's growing. Uh not quite the short as they have here, uh, but there's certain challenges in Canada too. So make sure uh you, you think about, you know, do I want to come to the US and fly full time? Do I want to stay here or do I want to go back to Canada? Your options are well, very, very open. Uh, I know quite a few people have come to the U.S. and worked for the regionals and then come back to uh, Canada and work full time. Uh, But there's lots and lots of opportunities here. It's just across the border. But commuting back and forth to Canada is not that tough. So it can be done.
2: I see a lot of uh, C-registered business jets, too. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of them. So don't ever give up on the idea of flying uh, corporate up in Canada. There's there's actually some really cool airplanes made up there, aren't there? Uh, uh, right? Some of the best. Uh, some of the best. <laughs> I was best. hoping you'd say some. <laughs> uh, and, and I actually, uh, let's say Canadian uh, jets I've flown. Uh, CL-65, right? The uh, Canadair, the, yeah. the regional jet, yeah. actually. That's yeah. a, I guess it's the CL-60, the Challenger. Am I right? Uh, the, the, the CL 60 wow. is essentially the challenger. Challenger. Okay. Yeah. That's close. I obviously don't know my Canada air jets so that don't get on me <laughs> that well, but they're, they are good airplanes. They last long and, uh, fly well. And anybody who's flown them can tell you that, uh, there's some great aviation manufacturing companies in Canada. And who, some- by the way, if you follow the headlines could use a little MBA help. Yes, they could. Yeah, so there's an
2: <laughs> opportunity there. That's actually not a joke. There really is oh,
1: an yeah. Yeah. opportunity. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, an airline just announced that uh, a U.S. airline is uh, is going to a maintenance facility up in Canada. As a matter of fact, one of the airlines I flew for, actually SkyWest, did a lot of maintenance up in Canada. Uh, hmm. So there's a lot of that going cross-border as far as maintenance is concerned. So something to think about is uh, not just in the airlines but also in MRO maintenance repair and overhaul companies there's a huge opportunity there uh but there are opportunities obviously in the aviation world flying and doing management and airlines but uh but it's it's tough to get into it's just like anything else but you have to uh you have to get your network in there and how do you do that you get out there and and you network 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 and you'll find it you'll find the position you want eventually well gosh tom I wish we could keep talking all night, but I am... That's an hour. It is, and I'm running out of voice here, uh, as you can tell. Sorry about that. Uh, But I think one of the most... uh, This is really interesting because a lot of the questions that have come in are are very nuanced and they're very specific for the individual of course if you need specific advice we do have that through our coaching services we can not obviously get into some of the real personal things in your life uh, and just to let you know the the first hour is is $75 as far as coaching with whichever coaches you pick here both with Tom and Paul myself and Eric uh, we're also bringing on a couple more and usually during that first session it's usually two hours it takes us about a half hour to an hour just to Get to know you, and then the actual coaching starts. So, some people ask about the buy one get one free. It's not really buy one get one free, but the first hour session usually lasts two hours. Uh, so, it's it's almost like getting an hour for free. But we need we need to glean a lot of background information. We can't get from from an email. It's best to do it over Skype, or we do it uh, actually uh, in in writing. Also. Another thing that I wanted to do is uh, before we we close this out, and I wanted to do this in the beginning and I should have, a quick congratulations to one of our uh, coaching clients who is getting ready for an interview with an airline in a very specific program. As many of you know, Envoy has this program where you can go in as a helicopter pilot. A lot of the veterans uh, that are helicopter pilots are going into this program and it's a transition it's a rotary wing transition program and uh this person was accepted after we got them ready for their interview. Hats off to this person for doing that. Great job. And to all those other people that have applied to that program. It's it's a great opportunity, especially for the veterans. I think that's awesome what Envoy is doing. As a matter of fact, I just I really am very involved in certain things with veterans and veterans benefits, and there's been a change that's come about. And I've talked about it a lot as far as the private pilot certificate and the fact that you can't actually get your private pilot certificate uh, from a program at a college that has that does not have airplanes of their own. In other words, they use a contractor. Well, there's a way to get around that. We're working on it. Uh, some have started scholarships. We talked about that with Florida State. Uh, there's also some other ones that – or maybe we didn't talk about the one at Florida State. But there's uh, some other ones that are out there. And I'm working diligently. I'm not going to promise anything now, but there's this great organization out there. It's called the American Legion, of course, a member of the American Legion, trying to get them to start a scholarship program or help me start one uh, for those that are veterans that are looking to get in aviation but cannot start with their private pilot certificate at their specific school because that school does not own their own airplanes. The, The entry point is made tougher by this new law that's been enacted. Uh, or this new regulation that's been enacted I should say uh, but we need to move forward and we need to help our veterans that come back and and move forward in their careers I think it's uh, it's a great thing that people have have, have moved forward with us already and have scholarships for those of us or for those that are coming over as veterans and I think that's important uh, so hats off to that person that did that and to all of you that have have actually moved forward in your careers I love hearing these emails it kind of it helps me move forward it helps me uh, get more <laughs> Energy to be able to do these podcasts uh, because they're a lot of fun, and uh, it's also a passion of mine is to help people move forward in their careers. One of the things that's been really difficult for people is that they go out on the internet now more than ever to get information, and out there on the internet, you know, Tom, you know this. There's there everybody has an opinion, and sometimes people hide behind a character, say, or, or within a mm-hmm. message board. You you've seen some of that negative information, oh, I'm yeah. sure, Tom. And, sure. and I tell you, you don't know what the truth is. When you're out there looking for information, just remember there's there's lots of people out there that want to truly help you. We're one of them. There's many other people that are great mentors out there. And that's what we're trying to do is to bring forth those people that are trying to help you by bringing people in and interviewing them, by answering your questions, by bringing different viewpoints about the different careers, by giving you a real honest opinion by people that are actually working in the field and having them come on and talk about it, as opposed to going online and having somebody write or rant online. We may not know if we're getting the right information or if this is just somebody who's not real or is having a bad day. So we hope that by doing this podcast, we give you some really good information, and we hope that we give you the, the right information, the correct information. And I want you to hear all different opinions about different jobs. And I want you to hear the good, the bad, uh, the great, the, the wonderful stories, the, the stories that have been challenges, and, and the failures, and also the successes. I want to hear all that on this show, and I want to bring those to you. So please keep sending in your emails about any stories or anything that you've done in your career that would help people move forward. Well, gosh, Tom, uh, I appreciate your coming today to do this podcast with us. And obviously, Tom's going to be here more often. So, uh, if you have questions about the corporate world, he's the one to ask. And also, he has a great podcast, the Private Jet Podcast. Is there any other way that we can uh, get in touch with other than here at the podcast?
2: You know, I think that's the best way, Carl. I know you always forward those over to me, and we end up uh, getting in touch pretty soon. So, uh, you know, s- you reaching out to me through Carl or the Private Jet Podcast site. Both of those work, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun answering these questions. Uh, you know, it, wasn't, it may feel long ago, but it wasn't long ago we were asking the same questions. And uh, <laughs> with a couple decades of wisdom under our belt now, hopefully we are providing some help for people
1: to shorten the path. Yes, and uh, and that path is is sometimes very varied, as you can tell by the people that, that are is. here uh, that have written in. You may us. not always
2: know where that path is.
1: No, you may not have seen the path yet. Right. But the worst thing to do is just sit there and do nothing. And yeah. and that's one of the main reasons that I I always end the the podcast the same way is that if you're in a situation, if you're sitting there trying to figure out which way to go, the the best way to 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 move forward is to do something, is to move. Just take one small step towards your career goal, towards your life goal. And then what happens is this, that one small step didn't seem that tough. So taking the next step doesn't seem that tough. And all of a sudden you've made 100 steps towards your goal. And soon enough, you'll be the same person writing in after eighteen months, or after two years, or three years, or telling three hundred hours, or three hundred hours, flying a corporate jet, <laughs> and and you're you're we're going to hear your story on here because of the fact that you just took that one step and moved forward. You know, one of the things that and this was told to me many many years ago when I you know couldn't figure out where to go and what to do is, is just to move forward and take that one step, and it works and uh tom is a great example of that uh tom has constantly been moving forward in his career and uh and has brought so much to the aviation world and and we've seen you know you evolve over time and uh, i really appreciate what you've done for this podcast and and without tom we couldn't have grown like we have now and uh, has done a terrific job. So thanks, Tom, for for all you You're do. Too especially. kind. Yeah. Well, especially now it's been a few years that you've been helping out, and and it's been a wonderful working with you and and bringing this content to to so many different people. It's going to be exciting in the in the years ahead. Uh, I will say one thing that uh, has been a challenge for me, honestly, is the fact that uh, we've gotten to that point where we have. A lot of downloads and a lot of listeners that I I just can't answer every single email every day now, and uh, and that that's been my challenge moving forward. But I have a someone that helps me out a lot, and that's Russ. He's been answering everybody's email. That's all he does all day is answer. Well, he does a lot of other things. He helps out with with the scholarships Guide and everything else, and helps produce this. But he really is a big help. So sometimes you won't hear from me because we get hundreds of emails every day with questions. And and I appreciate you bringing those to us. But again, if you have a question, send it to us, feedback at aviationcarsepodcast.com or click on the contact tab. Well, guys, again, listen, take that one step today to move forward in your career. It may be a small step. It may be a large step. And if you've done that, tell us about it. Write us so that we can share with everybody else. We'll talk to you next episode, and safe flying.
0: You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.